And welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam, and I'm the bad boy of X Men podcasting, Zach Jenkins. Adam, how you doing, hey, buddy? Is it still our uh, Attitude Era? I hear it is. I hold on. In the distance, over yonder hills, do you hear it? Hell do you yeah. hear hell yeah? Hell yeah! I hear hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> welcome to Battle of the Atom. <laughs> Hi, people. Uh, Someone sent a very nice note saying that they were enjoying the Botitude era, and I disliked that they called it that. Well, that's, you know, that's what it's called. So, you're, you're, I mean, we'll let the wiki up. writers, we'll let the historians <laughs> decide this one. Yes, yes, we will. And um, we are, of course, uh, still just uh, riding the good vibes from last week's Emma Frost episode, but no Emma in this episode because we are going to some multiple different, uh, we're we're dimension hopping this episode. The thing is, Adam, multiverses are so hot right now. So hot. There's a flashpoint going on. It's true. There is a everything everywhere all at once. Another Spider-Verse is going on. They've mm-hmm. tried to do a Spider-Verse in live action, and people think it's good because it referenced a lot of memes and actually was a pretty terrible movie. There was a multiverse of madness. There are so many. I actually like the Spider-Man one. I know you hate it, but have you have you watched it again since the theaters? Uh, I'm not worried about revisiting anytime soon. But I, I fell asleep it. while my wife time. was watching it. I, mm. I just I straight up took a nap while my wife was watching it. And I was like, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, William Defoe, you can't save this one. A lot of these movies don't really hold up to scrutiny on rewatch. You know, very few of them are very few. Uh, I'll say the only one I've rewatched in the last little bit has been uh, Wakanda Forever. And that's because my son wanted to watch it. And we oh, yeah. don't take him to the movie theaters all that often. Sure. Especially for long movies. And I watched it. It's like has some flaws. Pretty good movie. There's some great stuff in there. You know, pretty solid. Uh, it's a movie. Um, But multiverses. So hot. Very hot. Very hot. Um, I don't think we're ever going to see an MCU uh, Exiles because it's just, you know, there's no consistent cast. You say that, but there was a hot minute where Bling was pushing up to be an A-list X-Men. Bling was in Bling. Days of Future Bling. Past. Bling. Bling. Oh, Bling. Bling. Not Bling. Bling will Bling for all that she wants to and all that my son did vote for her for the X-Men vote last year. Oh, I, I will reveal that ballot. He was asking me a lot if Bling was going to win. And I said, well, buddy, Bling was not on a television show in the 80s. <laughs> Blink with a K. So hot for a hot second. Days of Future Past. That movie where she was pretty cool. Her and, her and Colossus did a portal. Yeah. Did a portal move from stuff. portal. Yeah, that was good. the game portal. The the concept of creating a portal, and also they did they mm-hmm. did moves mm-hmm. from the game portal, which was really fun. Also, she was in the Gifted, a show it's that true. neither of us have finished watching. That's okay. I, I I'm totally fine with that. Um, Folks, tell us if the Gifted is worth finishing. We won't do it, but tell us. <laughs> 
obviously blink is the the most constant character that goes through uh the exiles um is usually the wearer of the talus um that, that transports them from dimension to dimension and we have three different dimension hopping adventures for the exiles this week um, with three different creators yeah creative teams so um where are we starting and who requested this zach this was requested by Jerry Laley. Jerry went over to patreon.com slash comicsxf, reached deep down into their hearts and pocketbooks and said, folks, here's a couple of coins. I'm going to toss them into your coffers. And I want you to talk about Chris Claremont and Paul Pelletier's first arc of Exiles, which is a wild thing. And if you want to be like Jerry, go do that stuff. We'll make a whole episode about the things that you want us to talk about. You're the paying audience, I guess. I guess this is what you want from this podcast. You want yep. us to talk about exiles. And mm-hmm. here's the truth about exiles, folks. We've been doing this for five some years, right? Right? Like a while, true. a spell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Y'all know that we don't like love exiles. And I know there's folks out there that do. I know there's folks out there that exiles was their thing. And I'm so happy for you folks. It's not mine. I don't think it's Adams. Adams, is it your thing? Uh, I did enjoy a lot more than I disliked this week. So um, I'm ready to get into it. I am ready to get into it as well, uh, because (laughs) the first story we have is Enemy of the Stars. Uh, It's Exiles 90 to 94, written by Chris Claremont with art by Paul Pelletier. I want to start by saying I think Paul Pelletier is a pretty good artist. Like uh, he's he's doing a great job. You know, he kind of has like a little Alan Davis vibe to it. Maybe a little Brian Hitch kind of feel. That's exactly where I was riding with this. But hey, look, one, it's 2007. If you kind of look like Brian Hitch, that's you're you're like right on the money. A little late, frankly, of the Hitch is the biggest thing in the world kind of train, but still, like you're pretty pretty on the money. And if you're doing the Chris Claremont book. And you have Alan Davis going on in in your art and the words cross time are appearing a lot. You know what? <laughs> okay. Sure. Why why the heck not? And um now, Zach, this is after this is this is after they find out that bugs are yeah, run, yeah, run the yeah, crystal yeah, castle. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That that happened already. The crystal palace. So, yeah, that happened a while ago. Um right. this is Chris Claremont saying, okay, well. I still have to do work because Exiles kind of fell off a lot for a while. Mm-hmm. And now Chris Claremont's like, I guess I'm going to do this weird, weird book now. Yeah. Uh, so the lineup of the team is uh, Blink and Sabretooth and Morph. Um, but we also have. Well, one, but well, uh, Morph is sidelined a little bit because. Here's the thing about Morph right now. Adam, yeah. have you read. Uh, have you read the mega arc of Exiles World Tour? The arc that does in fact last through, where is it? It's right after, it's what happens right after the Beak Makes Friends arc. No, uh, but it, this is it where is, Morph merges with Proteus, correct? Yeah, it's their House of M tie-in, Exiles yes. 69, all the way through 82. Wow, it's so, a long arc. It's like a year of exiles. They go to House of M, which is happening at the time, which I do think is a pretty that's a pretty good way to do a uh, do a crossover. It's like it's like the time where Al Ewing had to do a crossover with Civil War two in his book Contest of Champions. Instead of doing that, he did a crossover with Civil War (laughs) one. That's very Uh, Al Ewing. Goes to the new universe, Mm -hmm. goes to twenty ninety nine. 
goes to the Squadron Supremes universe, goes to Future Imperfect, goes to Heroes Reborn. Like, listen, it it hits a lot of the big ones, except for Age of Apocalypse, which, frankly, Age of Apocalypse as is constantly being hit on because Blink and Sabretooth and Morph are on this team. Right, exactly. It's a different Morph. Anyway, Morph dies and Proteus takes his place. Uh, but they they do a Hero Season 3 finale and brainwash him into thinking that he is just Morph. Right. So it's still... Spoilers kind of for what I think is Heroes Season 3. I never got that far. I think um, they I think they made... Did you watch Heroes? Oh, of course. Yeah. Who didn't? Who didn't? Kept coming back each season like a dang idiot. This I will be off. better. <laughs> I fell off after a certain point, like all of us did. They did, I believe, at the end of Season 3. Uh, the politician brother, the senator brother or whatever yeah, died. Yeah. Yep. And they, they brainwashed Siler. Uh, and made him be the politician brother. I don't know how that plot Gosh, resolved. I think I remember that. Wow. Man, that show was what terrible. a weird show. Yeah, anyway, they so poorly written. They stole that from Exiles. Cool. Borrowed it. Because mm-hmm. they do that with, I'm listen, it's not like the most unique concept in the world. I was going to say, it's probably, yeah, but. Um, I'm sure there's like a classic sci-fi trope in this that I'm <laughs> missing here because my point of reference is only things with the letter X in it. Anyway, mm. Proteus is a morph now. Right. Um, and he's at least at the start of the story, just wearing a, you know, a little power dampener in a, in a hospital bay. Uh, we're all inside the Crystal Palace castle, whatever. Uh, Palace. Spidey That's 2099, me. also very hot right now. He's here. Long shot. So is hot here. right now. And Long shot. sitting in the chair is Heather Hudson. Heather Hudson, Sasquatch. She's been with the team like for most of it, even yeah. if she's not an active player. Also on this team is Power Princess, uh, Zara Sheldon, who Chris Claremont has no interest in this incredibly strong woman. No, uh, she's basically like, hey, I am a Squadron Supreme. I'm out of here and leaves in like three pages. So Chris who does Claremont he rep- does not want to write Squadron Supreme Wonder Woman. I think that's that's <laughs> yeah. wild for him. Yeah, but he's basically doing it so that what he can do is poured over from new Excalibur. Psylocke, is it? Yes, I looked it up. That is where she's okay. coming from. I listen. The late, the late aughts Chris Claremont stuff all kind of blends with me. So I wasn't sure where in the timeline of Uncanny X Men, New Excalibur, Exiles this falls, because I know Excalibur continues on because they do the uh, Sword of the Braddock stuff. Yep. At the end of this, okay. So yeah, that all makes sense actually. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Psylocke's here. Our Psylocke. She does not take a liking to uh, AOA Sabretooth. Obviously, we Makes all know sense. Psylocke and Sabretooth hate each other. But uh, this Sabretooth is kind of like, why are you beating up on me, lady? <laughs> um, the problem with AOA Sabretooth is he's kind of like, they keep trying to, they like him, and they keep trying to break regular Sabretooth into AOA Sabretooth for a while. Yeah. Up until literally... House of X, mm-hmm. where they say, actually, let's put Sabretooth in a hole. We yeah. don't need we don't need him anymore. Right. And then and then they said, hey, what? How's he doing in that hole? And they made Sabretooth interesting. And it was a whole yeah. thing. It's great. It was a whole thing. It was a whole uh, thing. Adam. That one wasn't even there. a touch at all. See what you did. OK. There. Uh, anyway, more Chris Claremont stuff happens. Yeah. Well, and, and this is 
Okay, so we've already got one Claremontism, right? We've got two more, two Claremont books. He's stealing a character from one he's writing and putting it into another that he's writing. And now we're going to get one mm -hmm. of his other secret loves, which is messing around with Fantastic Four characters. Um, Not just messing around with Fantastic Four characters, mind you. We we get messing around fantastic four characters, which he loves. He did a run mm -hmm. on fantastic four that I have not read and I will not read. It's just, I'm not guys. I'm not going to. Okay. Read he likes to bring it back though. He's, he's big on bringing it back. I'm every, I'm chuckle. I chuckle inside every time. I know that Chris Claremont is bringing something back from his forgotten and frankly disliked fantastic four run. <laughs> uh, he also does another one of his favorite things. Brain washing. So mm. many characters. Mm-hmm. And a second layer of the brainwashing so many characters that he likes to do, brainwashing them into Nazis. That happens. That's right, because the universe that they go to is, I looked this up, this is Earth 1720, the Hydra reality, which is led by Madame Hydra, who happens to be Sue Storm in a very revealing outfit. Honestly, Sue, don't appreciate your politics here. Love your fashion. <laughs> Looking great. Looking slaying great. as the kids yeah. say these days. Um, so, well, it's interesting. You use the word slay because amongst these um, mind controlled <laughs> people of the Hydra, um, not only do we have folks like Captain America to beat up on, but most importantly to this arc, um, we are fighting as a team slay master. Adam, do you care about slay master? Of course not. Slay no Master one cares about Slay Master. As an editor's note for Excalibur issues, it is not a character anyone cares about. And yet here he is positioned as, oh, it's Slay Master. What are we going to do? I, I, I say this as a general fan of Captain Britain stuff, especially the, like that more Davis, Delano, that whole that whole era of stuff. No one cares about Slay Master. Could have been literally, literally anybody. He yeah. just he happened to be the one that took out Psy or Psylocke's eyes, and then we Psylocke became the character that we, you know, pay attention to. Pretty sure that's why he's here is just to traumatize. It's just a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent to draw a parallel. I I understand the thought of drawing the parallel between Slaymaster and Sabretooth in in their relationship to Psylocke because Claremont is obviously going to position Psylocke in the center of this whole thing. All that makes sense. It's not well executed. Eh, it's just a lot of punch him ups and, you know, it's not terrible. Uh, Slaymaster it, does present himself as a pretty formidable foe. Listen, he is the master of slays. Yeah. Uh, Some say that's Santa Claus's job, but Slaymaster disagrees. You're on fire, buddy. Uh, this is what happens, Adam, when I'm staring down a very long flight to Juarez and do <laughs> not want to deal with the reality of what my life has become. Folks, you are lucky we're getting an episode this week. <laughs> uh, some other interesting relationships that pop up in here. Uh, Sue is dating a brainwashed Wolverine and Reed is just happens to be dating Electra. Good times. Yeah. Anyway, they have to kill Reed Richards because Reed Richards is going to something, something evil Hydra people in all of the universes. Uh, and then they fix it and the Talos sends them back. Yeah, they don't have to kill Reed because Reed actually has a very clever plan that involves waking Valeria up 
who I guess was kidnapped and put into like a snow white sleeping chamber. Um, which, but she has... which we don't think of it anymore. That is still also a Chris Claremont callback to his fantastic four run. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what Reed does is he convinces Madame Hydra that they're going to go take over the, the, you know, the, the, all of the universes. Right. And instead just traps her inside the necklace and somehow manages to like, I guess he had already saved 5 million people inside the necklace. And then he does a switcheroo. That part's a little confusing. It's a whole thing. Listen, there's just, Hey, wait, did you know that Chris Claremont called Valeria Richards or I guess Valeria Von Noom? He gave her a superhero name. And do you know what he gave her as a superhero name? I'm kind of scared. What is it? Marvel girl. No, actually, Wait. frankly, frankly, fantastic codename for Valeria Richards. Like, goodness, goodness, hook, line, sinker. That works really, really well for her. Yeah, I think the other really confusing thing about this issue are the last two panels, because we're seeing our Psylocke kind of recover uh, physically. But then the last two panels take place in another dimension. And it's another Betsy who then someone just comes up and like, punches her to death and it's slay like, master slays her because slay master wants to slay all of the betsy's it doesn't so weird. work well don't like Claire, it. i don't care for exiles in general and i don't think like there's not enough to this reality to like care about and that's my general problem with a lot of exile stuff it's either give me a deep focus on these characters and have the reality stuff be secondary and in my mind that's where exiles works the best when it's a tight focus on the team which again goes against the general per push of exiles to kill off somebody every few issues to mm-hmm. keep things interesting. Or give me just this wild reality. Like either go all in on the world building or go all in on the characters. Don't give me half of a world building and very little characters. Cause I don't care about the exiles otherwise. So you can't just like throw them in a thing and kind of play with your world and expect me to like, pay attention to the exiles comic book right i think that's fair i i did not hate this i do think way too much time is spent at the top of the arc like just having Sabretooth chase psylocke around the desert and the palace like you could probably yeah. could have condensed that to like not a full issue i i if chris claremont is gonna go the everybody's a brainwashed nazi route um i'm this is way better than like uh new mutants forever you know and nova it, roma this is like this is better than new mutants forever no one yeah, we'll argue that. Yeah, and I do think there's some clever stuff happening here. I like this version of Sue Storm. I do like the, uh, the you know, the group dynamics here between the Exiles. It's it's fine. I just do think that Claremont, and this this happens a lot. He just gets sidetracked by the things that he loves, and he loves like these old Excalibur Captain uh, Britain stuff. That in in 2007, references... no one was going to tell him no. Him. Nope. No one no. was telling him no. Nobody was they like, were... hmm, maybe Slaymaster is not the person you want inserted to this story. Chris, we're not sure that Slaymaster, I know you love him. We're not sure that Slaymaster is the right. What about Matsuo Suryaba? Hey. He's, he's from the 90s. People remember him at least. Slay... You really want to do Slay? We're doing Slaymaster. You know why we can't do Oh, We're doing Slaymaster. Okay, we're doing Slaymaster. <laughs> thank you chris and should we rank uh, should we rank this we should let's tell our uh our lovely listeners about our wonderful giant size list it's been over 300 episodes you know the gist here mm-hmm. uh we have been ranking every x-men story from best to worst 
786 of them on our road wow. to 800. Crazy. Uh, the best House of X powers of 10. The 100th best being Wolverine 48 to 50, the Shiva scenario. The 200th best being all new Wolverine, Enemy of the State 2. 300th best being Generations Phoenix and Jean Grey. 400th being the submergence of Japan. 500th being the Tempest from Ultimate X-Men, also known as Stairs. Number 600 is Exiles 100. Number 700 is Pint Size X-Babies Murderama. And 786, the worst X-Men story of all time. You know what you love it. Say it with me now. It's 2099 World Tomorrow. This is better than Exiles 100. Uh, I think it's better than Exiles 100. That's at 600. That at um, least puts it in the 500s. Yeah, I, I think we're in the 500s, right? I mean, uh, we've got... Yeah, but it's not... Stairs is better than this. So it is... It's going to start with a five, is where I'm thinking. Yeah. So at 565, we have King Hyperion. And at 566, we have an arc that comes soon after that, a blink in time. Both of I, those are better. I think both of those are better. Then down at five eight, Yeah, eight to ten. Uh, I think this might be better than that. That that's the like, that's the gladiator one. Yeah, that one's so much mimic, and I don't care about mimic. Yeah, so I think we're in between those two: five sixty six okay. and five ninety eight. Um, I would say this is this is not as good as Weapon X Force. Uh, yeah, that's I think it. That's fair. That's at five eighty two. Okay, All right. is it better or worse than Exogenus from it, the Mark Guggenheim the Shield Sword? Space Lady X-Men arc. Hmm. Um, that had some interesting art. Exogenus. Yeah, Exogenus is actually better than this. Yeah, I think that's better than this. But um, I don't. Hmm. Is this better than Betrayal in the Bermuda Triangle at 590? Have you read Betrayal in the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah. Yeah. That's the one where they go to like the alternate dimension, right? Well, I, I remember Stephanie Burt was on that episode and I was like, was that during like the month and a half where I just had guests for a little bit? <laughs> no, I was on that episode. I'm pretty sure. Okay, um, I don't remember. Listen, I was thinking earlier today how we screwed up double ranking one episode from that one story from that time because we had uh, the Storm Cyclops fight and me and Sarah Century ranked that during the same period and then you <laughs> and me ranked it again differently. <laughs> I was like, we should not make that mistake again. <laughs> These are the things I think about when I'm on the road for five hours a day. This is better than a 592, the uh, exiled storyline between New Mutants and uh, Kid Loki, Journey into Mystery. Sure, but I'm going to put it below X-Men Second Coming Revelations Hellbound because that has more colons. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. It definitely has more colons. So uh, objectively exiles, more colons fight all the stars or what is this called? enemy of the stars, enemy, enemy of, of the, the stars. stars, not enemy of the state, enemy of the stars. No, but if one would, if one would call someone an enemy of this podcast, <laughs> an enemy as opposed to a friend of the show, all I'm saying. Yeah. He hasn't come on this show. He's come on other X-Men podcast recently. Hasn't I come on this show. See where you're going with this. All right. It's okay. It's just, listen, Listen, here's the thing. Chuck Austin and I do not know each other. Exi- I know Chuck Austin exists. Chuck Austin doesn't know we exist. That's fine. We've not reached out to Chuck. I tried once, uh, but I gave up after five minutes. <laughs> and I was like, eh, it's okay. You know what? He probably doesn't want to be bothered with this. Um, we're talking about well, Chuck Austin comic, baby. We are talking about it. And uh, we're. this is actually, this is so weird. This is an Exiles follow-up to 
a Chuck Austin Uncanny X-Men arc because this is an Exiles Uncanny X-Men crossover called Unnatural Instincts. Written by Chuckles the Truckles Austin. Clayton Henry is doing the art. And Adam, we need to talk about Clayton Henry's art in this. Uh, Yeah. Do we want to kind of give an overview of like why our good friends, the Exiles, are coming over to our other good friends, the Uncanny? Because the the premise for this arc, um, which is Exiles 28 to 30, is pretty bonkers. The premise, which I must be clear. Don't overthink it. It doesn't make sense. This is a Chuck Austin comic. It's just like, <laughs> you mean accept so, on face value and move forward. So the explanation of the shape of Havoc's helmet as the nexus of all realities. A uh, thing that we explicitly. <laughs> the one thing we know about Havoc's silly hat is that he didn't make that silly hat. Right. The living, the living monolith made that silly hat. That's why the living monolith also has that silly hat. He just doesn't look that way because he's also a giant Pharaoh man. Right. <sighs> Havoc so. did not design that. Okay. We all know because of shoot, mutant X that Havoc nexus of all reality, whatever he went, he went into mutant X things for a while that mm-hmm. we've talked about that series at length. We have our own opinions. Chuck Austin posits that actually there is only two Havocs in the known multiverse now. Left. Left. Because one Havoc's evil. Uh-huh. And he's been killing and all one, the others. Oh, no. I was going to say one Havoc's evil and the other one has been killing all the other ones. I'm kidding. Alex, ah, is, just, uh, Alex is going through a lot right now. <laughs> he gets possessed by evil Havoc. Yep. And the exiles are teleporting in to try and stop it before that they're there because not to stop havoc just to stop havoc they're there to save the children no they're there to save two specific children right what i would consider actually a bad move by the talus uh the talus is making a wild decision here right because who are the The talus wants you talus wants them to save carter gazacanian right and wolf cub you remember wolf cub right adam no, I don't, because we have not covered dominant species on this podcast yet. You don't remember Wolf Club from Mark Guggenheim's Young X-Men or Chamber Number One? He, I uh, believe, first appears in Chamber Number One, right? I think that's where he, he pops does. Up he first. does. He does first appear in Chamber. Then his second appearance is in Exiles. Uh, then he becomes a background character. That often actually shows up in the like new X Men, uh, bus blown up era. Okay, all right. Then he then he joins Young X Men and mm-hmm. is promptly murdered. Oof, brutal. That's it's okay. Listen, because you know, or not this... new X-Men, Young X Men. Young X Men was a bad book though. It is, mm. it is bad that he, a character who's nothing, is murdered. But we have to deal with Ink and Gray Malkin. Ink, who's a bad character, and Grey Malkin, who's a character who just, they've never found anything actually interesting to do with This sounds a lot like Marky Googs making some moves. Am I right? Man, (laughs) Googs and his moves. Uh, The funniest (laughs) thing they've ever done with Wolf Cub is when Steve Orlando, for one issue, made some new Dark Riders on Krakoa and had him (laughs) on a team with Mammo Max and Shark Girl. That's great. Man, Steve Orlando Uh, just always loves a cameo. Uh, Steve, again. Me and me and him do not always agree on what constitutes those brainwaves. 
<laughs> we are we are locked in to the same frequency so right. so much. Uh, no, Nick Gleason is not a good or interesting character. What he is is a werewolf boy. Yes, and all oh over... Nick Gleason's from Cleveland. That's upsetting to me. Cat issues with Cleveland. I mean, what's your, what's your beef? I just <sighs> okay. I'm gonna get on this soapbox. People use Ohio as the butt of a lot of jokes in America. Which is fine. Ohio deserves a lot of it. Ohio is still also like the seventh most populous state and actually has a huge amount of things to do sure. compared to anywhere else. Uh, and no one believes me when I say that Ohio has some of the best zoos, amusement parks, aquariums, all of that stuff in the United States. Uh, so are you positing that Cleveland does indeed rock? No, and that's because, and we're not getting into this on the podcast, I have a long-standing vendetta against the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, think it's a bad institution <laughs> that is at minimum insulting to the entirety of rock and roll. I'm right there with you. I, right there with you on that. Adam, I despise the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay. Even I'm, I've, I'm, I've been I'm there, I've walked through the exhibits, and I said, I reject this. I reject the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I appreciate when people get nominated and reject it. I think that's always, that's always. I, I, my two favorite things about when people actually get nominated is one, when they nominate it and reject it. Mm -hmm. And two, when they nominate it and they don't get nominated, they don't reject it. They say, I have no idea why the rock and roll hall of fame would want me Dolly Parton (laughs) to be part of it. And people just don't show up. I like that too. Oh no, Dolly Parton did show up and sang Jolene with Rob Halford from Judas Priest, which I appreciated wow. actually. Hey, cool. Yeah, that's um, great. The thing about Rob Halford from Judas Priest is he has an amazing set of set of pipes. So hmm. actually killed it pretty good. Wow. Uh, again, you know, the institution. Yeah, I will say who uh, a character that is not inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is Maximum Lobo. Okay, so we haven't covered dominant species. Here's here's a high level on one of the underappreciated bizarre Chuck Austin arcs. I mean, it's weird. So it's please. weird, but it's not. It's weird in new for new and different things, and not weird for messing with characters that anyone has yes. cared about since. And that's, that's the biggest difference. Uh, in dominant species, Warren Worthington finds out that one part of his business, Worthington Industries, has been run by a group of werewolves. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, and the werewolves fight them and think that they're going to be the dominant species on the earth. Honestly, none of this is tied to Romulus, which is buck wild. wild. Crazy. Because, because they will do that in a few years later with Romulus as the wolf people. Oh my gosh. Stop doing that, guys. Stop yeah. doing master races of wolf people. Uh, anyway, and I'm going to say this with all of the love and respect of this is your flavor of lifestyle. I'm just saying this as a comparison and a value judgment, not a value judgment, just a comparison. So we understand the art. Uh, Clayton Henry draws all of the dominant species, Maximus Lobo, all of them as some of the horniest furry art that Marvel has ever gotten <laughs> away with. I am talking these, these wolves are packing. They sure are. Um, they don't just have, you know, some longer fur in their groins. They really do have, um, some some furry appendages down there so um there, there's like yeah there is they're hanging dong in this that's all there <laughs> is to it that's not an exaggeration there's a double page spread that's like 40 percent wolf dong and i'm like 
There, these wolves are just. These I'm wolves are just the, getting thrown that. around page to page, and a lot of it is spread eagle. And Clayton Henry is not shying away from that area. So, um, you know, there's a heavy a, focus. It's distracting. Yeah, if you're into what is this doing in my X Men comic? If you're into furry stuff, and you know, maybe you have a fursona, probably want to check this out. It's um, it, it's probably right up your alley. Maybe it won't be. I don't really understand. I don't know. Uh, I don't listen. I don't know how any of that works. You do you live your best life. I do think this is a buck wild comic because it has those two things going parallel. The, the furry wolves and the evil havoc. Mm -hmm. It's got both of them going. They don't really intersect all that much or combine. And the exiles have to show up. You get weird. You get weird things in the exiles. Mostly just nocturne TJ Wagner meeting her dad and him be like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, He's a, he's at once saying, don't call me dad. And then by the end of the arc being like, oh, this is nice. I like having you as a daughter, you know? I've never understood this one weird beat of here's Kurt's daughter that with the Scarlet Witch that. <laughs> well, that, that's the it. other funny part is that she's like, he's like, wait, so I'm your dad. Who's your mom? Scarlet Witch. Okay. Oh yeah. She's cute. Maybe I should give her a call. And it's like, no, Chuck. No. <laughs> okay. No, I don't. I don't, I don't think that Scarlet Witch should be like dating Kurt. No. I fully, fully believe, and friend of the shows who are very into Nightcrawler can argue with me on this. But if there's any professors in Night, Nightcrawlerology who have a different opinion again, Anna, just let me know. But I think, I think Kurt would be like, yeah, let's just see where this goes. Let's have some oh, fun. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Kurt would be like, oh. So this, <laughs> this is like a good play for me. Let's see. Let's just see how it goes. Yes. We're going to um, bamf out of there real quick by the end, just to make sure that this TJ situation doesn't happen, but everything else. Yeah. Let's try it. Oh my God. Did you just see bamf? Okay. Uh, <laughs> that was great. That was great. So because it's Chuck Austin, you get a lot of juggernaut, right? You get a lot of juggernaut. Uh, hey, you know, the weird, hey, like, question about this. Stealing blood stuff. Why are they not bringing up how Juggernaut was on the original Exiles or the all new Exiles? I guess he was on. I don't know. Is it is it not this? Isn't it the six one six Juggernaut? Or no? Yeah, bud, bud. That's pretty weird. They they threw him, Sienna Blaze, Reaper, and freaking Black Knight into well, the Ultraverse. Clearly, Chuck Austin had not read that and did not remember that because that is not a thing that happens here. Man, um, if this comic would have referenced the Ultraverse. It would have amazing. gone up a hundred spots. Amazing. It doesn't well, happen though. Yeah, maybe that's why. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, weird stuff with magic. Um, oh yeah, it is weird that for the two thousands, Chuck Austin was the preeminent writer of Ileana Rasputin. Yeah, that's just weird. She's just a rascal. So, I mean, aside from the wolf anatomy, Clayton Henry is drawing in a very, very cartoony style. That I don't know if it helps or hinders this comic. I mean, it looks a lot better than what I see in most Chuck Austin um, uncanny X-Men arcs, but it also kind of takes me out of the story a little bit. I, I don't know. I mean, this it is doesn't a gel. It doesn't gel with what they're doing here. It feels a little off. I'm glad they're taking artistic risks. It's something that, you know, whatever your feelings are around this era of Marvel editorial, 
they were taking they were they were expanding what you could do from an art standpoint and i yeah. think that's that's i think clayton henry is talented i i actually like the art i just don't know if it's the best pairing uh for this particular story because this what story would be is a better pairing weird. I have no what would idea. Be a better pairing. No, I'm, I want. I want to make a very strict comparison because you get this in the covers of this art. Clayton Henry's stuff, or Dale Keon's incredibly weird Wolverine cover that couldn't be more 2003. Yeah, the less said about Dale Keon, the better, um, as he is. Oh, uh, my understanding is he's game. a he's a crazy person now. D- very much, and uh, has, has made his way over to the comics gate. Oh, uh, Clayton when, Henry, when... Clayton Henry has done a lot of stuff later. Actually, I was trying to remember where I've seen him before, but yeah, he does. He does a bunch of stuff later that I think is pretty decent. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's very talented. Oh, he um, does literally the next arc of exiles after that. Chris Claremont one we just read. Oh, okay. So he comes back. Great. Yeah, good for him. Um, I like this better than the Claremont one that we just ranked. I mean, no, I thought this was more fun. It was just silly, and it had like silly wolf people who were naked, and that was. This funny. one's just this one is just so dumb. Is the thing? Yeah, it's Maybe all I'm dumb. Giving, I feel like our our appreciation of like Chuck Austin dumbness has like like the dumbosity has kind of like raised in our estimation. So maybe maybe I'm giving it too much credit. What's? I mean, it's dumb. It's dumb, but you know, at five ninety five is X Men one through four Age of Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. I feel like I like the Age of Apocalypse brand of dumb more than this. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. And at 598 and... is the Champions War of the Realm issue, which I think I like better than this. All right, then let's work our way down a little bit. Hey, is it also weird that that Champions War of the Realm issue is somehow incredibly important to whatever's going to happen to Kamala Khan in the next like few months? Man, I don't even want to get into it. It's so dumb. It, <laughs> it really is. You know, this whole bit where they're going to like. Cyclops is really sad about his friend Kabbalah, who he's thought about once in his adult life. Yeah. Yeah. Love that for him. Honestly, that's great. Mm. I I get all my. I love all that right. for the fictional character Cyclops. 629 is the trial of Juggernaut. I think this is better than that. Yes. This is better than the trial of Juggernaut. That's a great comparison point. Um. Another story with wolves. Is this better than Wolverine Reign of Terra? I don't mm. think it is. Reign of Terra looks better. I don't know. They're, I, I'm ambivalent. I, I Sure. I think Reign of Terra looks better. So let's give that the edge. Um, I would rather reread Cyber Force X-Men at 623. I would rather reread Magneto War. Uh-huh. Um, what about X-Men Volume 2, number one half, The Thrall? Uh, that's got that Ringo art. I think that's probably better. Uh, that's have that Ringo art. This is better than the extremists, right? Yes. All right. So this is going to be our new 626 Exiles and the Uncanny X-Men Unnatural Instincts. Let's talking about a different unnatural instinct. And that is the unnatural instinct for us to talk about a recent comic. Oh, okay. So we just we're don't not do it. Just There's gonna... more old ones. Yeah. I mean, hey, look there's a lot of exiles to talk about. There's actually three volumes. So we, we might as well. That's talk not about even this. counting any all new exiles or new exiles or books that are exiles without the name exiles, because they thought that they could sell it better with the name X-Men. That's a very good point. Um, so this is technically exiles volume three, one to five. Uh, Again, Saladin, not counting, not counting any of the volumes of the ultra 
verse, but I'm go off. I'm just saying. It's just Exiles I, you're doing, you're, I know what you're doing, and you're doing the right thing. because it's so they can look it up on the wiki. It's so people can look it up on the wiki, and that's what the <laughs> wiki says. And I think from a publication standpoint, that's correct. But from my heart standpoint, it's incorrect, because there was another group of Exiles. They were called the Ultra Force. Uh, I will not read their comics either. <laughs> if someone if someone asks us to cover Sienna Blaze as a character, we will be forced to do that though. Yeah, because it's Whoops. that it's that it's the good Chris Patalo issue, mm-hmm. and then I'm sure there's a third one. Yeah, I actually have Chris uh, Bachalo plans uh, on my my idea list. So on Adam's idea list, good. We'll get to talk about comics we like. Yeah, that's my favorite part of this show. And when we get to talk about things we like, hey, I like this comic quite a bit. This is uh, I I think the art in this comic is top notch. It's out of this world. So we're talking about Saladin Ahmed on uh, the writing duties and Javier Rodriguez on art, but with colors by Jordi Belair. And we're just well, the first five well, issues here. First five issues of Ahmed's Exiles. Belair does the colors for the first issue. Mm-hmm. And actually, Chris O'Halloran does the colors for two through four. Oh, okay. And and Rodriguez colors himself on five. Oh, and I bring yeah. that up because it was something I noticed throughout this throughout this book. Because maybe it's just his recent stuff that have been more quote unquote prestige series. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I think of I think of Javier Rodriguez coloring himself more sure. than anything else. So I, I was I was finding it odd when he wasn't coloring himself on the first few issues of this. You know, like he was doing that for History of the Marvel Universe recently, Defenders, Defenders Beyond. Uh, most of his stuff on Spider Woman, he colored himself. Like you know, I was just used to yeah. He's a guy who knows what he wants. And Jordy Belair is one of the best colorists out there. But I think if you compare, there's one page. There's one page in Exiles number one that Javier Rodriguez colors. Right. And the palette and the choices he uses are very different than what Belair mm-hmm. would do. Yep. And they are very different than what, or they're actually, what Chris O'Halloran does is a lot closer mm-hmm. to what uh, Rodriguez does. Well, Rodriguez tends to be a lot flatter with his colors. He doesn't worry about gradients and it's more of a pop art sensibility. And it's not that Belair doesn't understand that by any means. She gets it, but she's still adding like her touches to it, which are, you know, a few more of the gradient stuff, a few more. It looks more like a polished comic that like, it's colored more like a standard Marvel comic where Chris O'Halloran Covers it more like a Javier Rodriguez comic. And then by issue five, Javier Rodriguez covers it like a Javier Rodriguez comic. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at what Javier does when he's coloring himself, it's very bright. You know, he's very into yes. sort of neon clashing colors and, um, you know, the Super first saturated issue, pages. Yeah. The, the first issue in particular does feel more muted um, than the rest. And by the time he's coloring himself, it's, you know, it's very, very big and bold, but you can totally understand why Javier is not coloring himself because so, so much work is going into these five issues. This is Javier Rodriguez does not get paid. And I will tell you, Javier Rodriguez does not get paid enough for the amount of work he does on every single page of comics he's ever drawn. Yeah. Um, And we are in the midst of the hashtag comics broke me thing on Twitter. And are we? Yeah, the the horror stories that have been coming out of that are are absolutely awful. 
But when you see comics work like the kind that Javier is putting down and, you know, you think about what page rates are, you just have to imagine that whatever he's getting paid, not enough, you know, because the amount of detail and work and I want to, you'll notice we have not talked about the story at all yet. Um, and we will get into it, but, um, I want to just highlight, uh, a two page spread from issue four. So oh, is, in, it, is the, is it the juggernautical spread? The juggernautical. So in issue four, the, the team of exiles that's here, um, runs into the thing who has time traveled back to be Blackbeard's ghost, like in Fantastic we, Four. We and, it wasn't Blackbeard's ghost. It was actual Blackbeard. But go right. Off. So the exiles attack this, uh, this pirate ship who's being, uh, piloted, uh, captained by Captain Guy Rich, um, because the, Universes are all collapsing. Anyway, they're running. They're running a slave. They're fighting slave traders. It's... I would just like to point out that anyone who would like to see what comic books are capable of, in terms of this whole idea of movement across the page, in terms of you know how to actually use panels and place them in such a way that you could actually be telling up to five to 10 different stories on the page at the same time. It is masterful what he does with just those two pages and a very minimum number of actual panels, but it is astounding how many different characters are highlighted on those pages. You know exactly what happens to each of them. And it is just spectacular work. He is stupid good. It's so good. Stupid good. All right. It's so frustrating. Well, so, and this is the problem with a lot of recent Javier Rodriguez comics. I'll say history of the Marvel universe was not a narrative was not intended to be a narrative. They should release that book without words. Frank. Sure. Artist be a poster book. Let's go. Artist edition. Exiles here is loose. And when I say loose, it is a new collection of characters. Jumping to a new world at least once, if not multiple times an issue. Yep. So when I was talking earlier about what I like about Exile, or when I think Exiles works, you get neither of those extremes here. You don't get a lot of time to spend with these new characters, uh, and you don't get any real time on any of these universes. You get minutes of, hey, what would a pirate world look like? What would... What would a Marvel Puzzle Quest's Captain Carter America uh, world look like? Uh, Marvel Puzzle Quest did come first uh, <laughs> right. in a wild choice. <laughs> and the team doesn't even, and this is a, actually a very common problem with a lot of Marvel or superhero books that are only going to be a short run or potentially only be a short run when you're building a new team and you spend most of the first arc getting the team together, then they don't have a chance to actually be a team. Well, this kind of happens here because the team of exiles is blink. Who's back. Great new redesign. Honestly, like the age of apocalypse. Look, I get it, but this works a lot better for blink. Well, and it's also honoring her roots. You know, it's rethinking where the character came from and allowing her to kind of reconnect, um, you know, with her, her home. Um, yeah, she has that. She has natural hair. It's, it's fantastic. She looks, she looks great. Like yeah. she just looks cool in it's this. A very she cool looks, design. She looks 2018 cool in a way that blink looked 1995 cool in age of apocalypse. Yes, absolutely. Who else we got? We got Khan. Yep. Uh, it's, it's angry. Uh, 
cable version of Kamala Khan. Actually, yep. I think that's I think this is the best work Saladin Ahmed has ever done with Kamala Khan. She's a real, real badass here. Um, we also have Iron Lad, yep. who is, of course, a Kang, which is important uh, because the villain of this story is the Time Eater, um, who it's is another version of Kang. It's Kang. It's a hey, we've got a story about time stuff. Kang's here, I it's guess. Kang. No one cares. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Marvel Universe was absolutely, positively insane, insane to say, well, let's build our next big change of pop culture around Kang, a character who they haven't written a good story about yet. And Jack Kirby's tried. Ugh. It's it's a wild choice. Um, it's a it's a wild choice. Uh, but this is not Iron Lad from the Young Avengers. This is a diff- slightly different Iron Lad. Right. Uh, there's also a new Valkyrie uh, who is Valkyrie from Thor Ragnarok. Pretty much. Uh, and not are, the Valkyrie from Thor Ragnarok that is in Marvel Comics now. No, this is this We're is a early attempt. No, this is an early attempt to do movie Tessa Thompson Valkyrie. It works. Uh, she's great. Actually, she's she's among the best characters, as is Wolvie. Wolvie. Who, Adam. Yes. You know where Wolvie comes from, right? Well, Wolvie is not an ex-baby. That's really important to make that distinction. No, he's one of the adorable ex-babies that were created in the ex-babies miniseries to not be one of the ex-babies, to be one of the special, like, even cuter versions of the ex-babies that are family-friendly. I love that Wolvie is here. Wolvie is great because Wolvie uh, doesn't understand death. Wolvie doesn't understand fighting. He doesn't understand killing. And he just brings this like real sense of innocence and fear to this story. I think the other fun thing about it is because not only does Javier do a great job uh, with this character, but the colorists have a chance to really just make him look like a cell shaded piece of flat art from you know, an animated series and it works mm-hmm. so well. It's so Which much is fun. especially because he doesn't show up in uh Blair's issue does show up in what O'Halloran and, uh, and Rodriguez are doing. And again, those guys are already doing a pretty flat style. Mm-hmm. So to have Wolvie be so distinct, like that is a, they put some thought and effort into it. And I, I want to make sure that, you know, Rodriguez gets his credit too, because he's drawing Wolvie different than everyone else and it yes. works i also like rodriguez's uh insane ver- like visual design of the time eater kang who's basically just kang like with his chest bursting with sparks and got galactus oh, helmet it, it looks awesome it's jeez he's so good yeah he's so stinking so good. um the other thing the story that- the story's kind of bland though I, the story is fine. I think what's what's always great about, you know, using Javier here is just to let him world hop, let him uh, the defenders does a very similar thing, just not as quickly as this. But we we get little, um, you know, little visions of, uh, you know, a hippie commune run by Namor. Um, we're getting this like World War Two thing where all the characters are women you know, it, it's just popping through all of these different universes in rapid succession, and it's allowing him to kind of flex. And I can't be angry about that because it looks amazing. I can't be angry about that. What does bother me is like, there are certain stories that it feels like 
Ahmed wants the space to tell, mm-hmm. uh, specifically the pirate slave story that he's doing. He wants the space for that, and he takes that whole issue for it. But that doesn't jot that kind of one shot adventure thing doesn't jive with the story that he's already set up. So from a narrative momentum standpoint, this is a really good bottle. But it slows down everything that he built up for the previous three issues of this is kind of a madcap journey through a bunch of different things. When you stop to do this, you stop to do the Captain Carter stuff. It doesn't click. Another thing that doesn't click for me is uh, Nick Fury and his whole role in this. Well, it's interesting. I My guess is that uh, Saladin Ahmed is a big fan of What If, because each issue starts with a Watcher-like introduction to the issue, very similar to What If. But oh, yeah. it's the Unseen, which is Nick Fury's post-original sin, like stuck on the moon deal, right? Hey, yeah. question, Adam. Do you know what Nick Fury's current deal is? I have no idea. Isn't so, he like the ultimate Nick Fury now? No, that's his son. Oh, it's his son. Duh. Duh. That's Nick Fury Jr. Okay. How do you cool. not know that? Nick Fury Jr. and his best friend Cheese. I don't know. Okay. That's fine. That's Nick Fury Jr. Nick Fury Sr. was the unseen on the moon, but uh, in Reckoning War, or the lead up to Reckoning War, he turned into regular Nick Fury because Watu the Watcher came back through the eyeball that Nick Fury was using to be a Watcher. Oh, fuck. Uh, then he didn't do anything, and Marvel realized they still can't have two Nick Furies around, uh, and sent Nick Fury into another dimension where he can do Nick Fury adventures just off screen where we can't see them. Fun. I mean, not for readers, but um, I will say the Nick I don't Fury understand. stuff is I don't the weak link it. here. You know, like the really way that is seated. It seems like the fifth issue is going to make sure that that makes sense. How he's popping up in different places, and it it doesn't actually make sense and you know what that's i don't really care an issue yeah don't really care it's fine you know uh so at the end they all get a chance to go back to the bahamas with blink and except for kamala um, who sacrifices herself to save the everybody yeah Khan uh, does die. fun fact she's not really dead no but you she know, comes back very, later it's a very exiles thing for something like that to happen. So there's I mean, also there is also a big section of this uh, about Blink finding her original exiles, uh, and they oh, are right. seeding that plot. Yeah, Sabretooth uh, pops up here. The AOA Sabretooth. Yeah, but that's all. They're just this is they're... fun. I enjoyed reading this a lot, and I you know I think that just from the artwork alone, I mean, it, you're you're absolutely right about the pacing, right? If this was a exiles volume one this could be a whole year worth of exiles right this is 12 issues worth of like worlds Mm -hmm. and stories we'd probably get an arc in every single world but you know we've got to have a year for five issues he's going to make the most of it you know and i I had an enjoyable time reading this so this is definitely the best thing we read today oh yeah, yeah yeah it's the best thing we read today no no doubt no doubt in my mind uh i just like I didn't read this series when it was coming out. I fell off because I was like, this is really pretty. I don't care about anything that's happening in this though. I, I am think excited that's the to problem. Keep going though, because Rod Reese jumps on, on the next arc. Rod Reese, I haven't I haven't reread the Rod Reese stuff uh in a bit or anything past I haven't reread anything of Exile since it came out. I almost want to look at it again. Like, yeah, I'm bored. I'm like, oh, well, let's flip through this. Let's see. Let's see what's going on with Blink. Yeah. 
Um, I, th- I think we got good stuff happening here. Um, so we mentioned X babies with uh, Wolvie and the X babies miniseries is at 428. I don't know. Better than the X babies miniseries. I yeah. I, I think we're at least there, right? Like, I don't know if we're a 300 book here, but we, could I don't, be. I don't know if we're a three I don't think we're a 300s book as I look at what's at the 300s. Cause at 399 is Excalibur 62 to 65 return of the warpies. Another book that I would argue is incredibly gorgeous and maybe doesn't make sense mm. from a plotting standpoint. Yeah. I don't know, but it's, think... it's a similar like maximalist energy. I don't know. I'm just looking at what's around here. And I think this is better than all of this stuff though. Like, do you think this is better than, this is you better this than X Men Gold, the 2013 special at three ninety three. Like this okay, is better well, than that. Okay, yeah, no, you're not. I'm not talking going super high. Like I don't think this is better yeah. than God's Country at three seventy two. No, know? it's not better than God's Country. I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna put a ceiling. I don't think this is better than Sabretooth in Charge. Uh, three eighty five. Yeah, that's Weapon X seventeen to twenty one. I agree. That's with when he you. gets a tiger. Yep. I was thinking about that today. I was thinking about like, man, remember when Sabretooth got a tiger? That ruled. <laughs> uh i was like this... oh no i was thinking about omega red stories because mike adam you know this but our listeners don't we had a vacation this weekend and we went to a cabin that had a video game system that was playing oh, right. uh marvel superheroes versus yep. uh street fighter and my son played omega red and continued to beat me with one of omega red's throws just mm-hmm. constantly like i didn't have enough time to recover I it took me a few games. I figured out how to how to defend it. I just had to be more aerial and a little bit more aggressive on this and watch for the uh, signals that he was actually going to send that out. Turns out, uh, I guess that's why you study frame rate data in fighting games. I don't know. I'm very bad at them. But I was thinking, like, man, I wonder how much Omega Red's actually been in. It's the answer: not much. Oh, comic book wise, no. Yeah, they should do more with Omega Red. Ben Percy, you should yeah. you should make him like the center of a big story. Ben Percy. <laughs> He did that. that. All right. Here's what I'm going to say then. Right below that, 386 is the first three issues of X Men 2099. And right below that is 387 Secret Avengers number 16. I think this is better than that Secret Avengers uh, comic for sure. How how do you think about it, uh, uh, you know, versus our beloved X Men 2099? I'm going to say it's better because of the Javier Rodriguez art. Absolutely. All right. So this is going to be our new 386. And again, if you'd like a masterclass in what comics can do, definitely check out the artwork in this. Literally just read, read everything Javier Rodriguez has put out. Yeah. So freaking good. Check it all out. Hey, that's the episode. Good job, everybody. Good job, everybody. Um, Um, I want to thank Jerry. Jerry, thanks for these stories. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, Patreon.com says comics stuff if you want to do that. Um, yeah. Adam, what do you got going on? Uh, folks can follow me on Instagram at adam.rec or on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. And um, we know not to try and find you online. Never. 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 Listen. Never do it. I'm just, I'm just throwing this out here. I know some of you have tried. <laughs> I've gotten, I've seen the, this person has followed you on Instagram. And I'm like, folks. Yeah. This is where that. I post pictures of my kids. Yeah. Don't do that. So it's I'm reiterating. Comics, it's not a comics Instagram. Be cool out there, people. Be cool. Just, just you be chill. Yeah. Just be chill. You want just that Boda news? I'm, here's what you follow Adam for the Boda news. That's it. Or if you want to know what books I'm reading, you know what? Don't follow me there. Follow me on Goodreads, a thing I'm using now. That mm. That's fine. If you want to see what books I'm reading. 
That's, that I, counts as social media. Does it count as social media? Sure, it's like my letterboxed, you know, it's, it's still social. Follow me on Goodreads, follow Adam on Letterboxd. Nowhere else. <laughs> we we will not be posting Boda updates there. No, no Boda updates on Letterboxd. You may um, be able to get our esoteric references uh, better. <laughs> yeah. So, Zach, uh, I'm looking at the spreadsheet and I noticed that I don't know what we're doing next week. I have no idea what we're doing next week either. It says Zach's pick. It which does is, say Zach's pick, which I'm very excited about because the possibilities are endless. So, I mean, they are endless. There's like 14 possibilities on our list of Zach's picks. I, I think any one of them would be very exciting for our listeners. So I hope they tune in next week. I, th- you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to call it Adam. I'm going to call oh, it right we're now. We're getting an audible. We're getting an audible. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a pick right here live, Adam. Oh, I get to pick? You get to pick. That doesn't make sense. It's your or, pick. You know what? You know what? No, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to post this exclusively for our patrons. Our patrons will exclusively get to vote on next week's episode. Oh, I like two that. Choices, between two choices of Zach's picks. Okay. Here are the... Here are the... <laughs> These are great. These are selections. We're we're gonna start the first Zach's picks as like an easy. We understand the concept before we get weird. Okay. Avengers plus X Men. Hmm. Stories where the Avengers and the X Men are together. Okay. Note these stories were all picked because I want to talk about them, and I found a way to theme these things. Or weird stuff from the IVX era that I also want to talk about. (laughs) Buckle up, people. This is going to happen more often because we are. This is the attitude botitude era. So it's all about us now, baby. That's right. We're we are we are calling it. We're we're doing that. So patrons, go do that. If you want to be a patron, go support it. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I'm just gonna when I put up the episode, I'm gonna put up the poll. Love it. And it will be for patrons only. I'm pretty sure I can do polls on Patreon. If I can't, this is wild. I know I can. Uh. So that's what we're doing next week. This has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survive the experience. Get it!